Welcome to Beyond the Show, the podcast home of all things Cannabis Conference. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of the Cannabis Group at GIE Media. Season two is underway, and we couldn't be more excited about what's in store this year. This week's been a busy one. The Cannabis Conference 2022 Advisory Board has been announced. Check that out at CannabisConference.com. And the January issue of Cannabis Business Times is live. Al Harrington is on the cover, and you know him from, oh, I don't know, the NBA and Viola Brands. We've got a great story from senior editor Zach Mentz this month. So check that out at CannabisBusinessTimes.com. Back to the podcast plan. This week, my guest is Chima Enya, Executive Vice President of SEED at Cresco Labs. SEED stands for Social Equity and Education Development, and that's a lot of what we talked about. Cresco Labs is launching the Illinois Cannabis Education Center in a former dispensary space in Wrigleyville in Chicago. So what does that mean for the state industry? Well, we explore that topic in the interview, but suffice it to say, a real-life training ground like this will provide a level of workforce development that you just don't see in most cannabis markets. Yet. Cresco may be building the educational foundation of something you'll start to see more and more in the coming years. Chima is responsible for shaping and driving SEED's organizational vision and strategy focused on restorative justice, community business incubator, and education and workforce development programming. In addition, he collaborates with organizational leadership to spearhead diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives throughout all Cresco functions. Previously, he served as the executive director of the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. Please enjoy my conversation with Chima Enya. All right, Chima, thanks so much for joining the show this week. Very glad to get a chance to talk to you about the Illinois Cannabis Education Center and all sorts of good things going on there as we start 2022. Um, you know, I was thinking earlier today that uh, it had been a little while since we last talked, and I believe that was at the start of last summer. So, of course, here we are in January. It's, uh, it's been a little while, um, but wanted to make sure maybe at the top of this conversation that we got into uh, Cresco Lab's Summer of Social Justice, which, of course, uh, was a number of different initiatives and, and programs that went on during the summer, um, obviously not uh, tied explicitly to just the summer months. It's more of an ongoing uh, holistic thing, but wanted to maybe just address that real quick. And if you could maybe summarize what some of those programs were last summer and, and how that work is continuing at Cresco Labs. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me again. Um, it's been a pretty solid uh, summer leading into this, this year. Uh, last year, um, the Summer of Social Justice really kicked off on the 50th anniversary of the war on drugs. And so the intent behind that um, was to leverage our resources, our platforms to raise awareness about the need to continue to fight against uh, the war on drugs and to end that war. Um, and really it was about, you know, ensuring that Cresco is advocating for full restoration of rights uh, for communities that have been historically marginalized and, and adversely impacted by that war. And so, you know, talking particularly about African-American and Latino communities, making sure that we do everything we can um, to support the full restoration of, of those communities. And so the Summer of Social Justice did a few things. Um, one, uh, we launched a nationwide expungement uh, campaign, understanding that expungement is just one component 
of restorative justice, but it was a nationwide expungement campaign. Um, we touched over a thousand lives uh, in supporting the process for record expungement throughout all the markets that Crest goes in. Uh, we also gathered, uh, along with the Last Prisoner Project, um, over uh, 3,000 petitions uh, uh, asking President Biden uh, to grant clemency to uh, individuals who were incarcerated uh, due to the war on drugs. Right now, there are over 40,000 people um, and many more lives and communities uh, of people impacted uh, by that war. So we know that you know that's just one effort to leverage our resources to speak truth to power there. Um, a couple other things that we did, uh, we had um, our vendors, our third-party vendors, folks that we contract with, uh, we really wanted them to get some skin in the game as well. And so if these are things that are core value to Cresco, we want that to go uh, through our supply chain. So we were able to raise another $150,000 uh, from our third-party vendors to help support uh, those restorative justice efforts around the country. In addition to um, product uh, uh, donations that we uh, collected at our Sunnyside dispensaries uh, and commitments through um, our product, our Cresco product to the Cannabis Justice Initiative. And so it was really a holistic approach, uh, multifaceted. Um, you know, one of the major things that we did was um, you know, support a documentary on the life of Michael Thompson, um, who was released from prison uh, for cannab cannabis related offense in Michigan, really detailing um, his experience and, you know, as a symbol of the work that we still have yet to do. Um, but, you know, encouraging everyone from every walk of life to get engaged. And so Summer Social Justice ended, we supported uh, about 10 different community organizations. Um, we leveraged the resources to make those donations. Um, and Cresco itself put in uh, money to just make sure that we're driving this conversation forward, driving these efforts forward, um, you know, uh, you know, as a, as a part of our core value at, at, at Cresco. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly been, been great to follow along as again, as the summer went on and uh, as we sort of rounded the year here and speaking of, of course, leveraging resources and platforms, uh, a pretty, pretty intriguing and fantastic announcement came out last month in December. And, you know, this speaks to um, the plans for the Illinois cannabis education center and I know there's been a little bit of press so far. Um, the press release is up on Canvas Business Times, of course, but there's a lot more to it, of course. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to sort of set the stage for what the Cannabis Education Center is, and then we can get into some more specifics. Yeah, for sure. So I'll actually start, I'll, I'll go back to what our four pillars are at Cresco for our seed initiative. Uh, the first is education. Um, working with community colleges, uh, community organizations to provide education around the plant, around the impact of the plant, and really create a pathway um, to employment um, into the, the industry through education. Um, second is our entrepreneurship. And so as we have new licensees coming on board and across all of our states as they legalize, um, we want to make sure that we provide application support um, as well as business support uh, after they have won their licenses. Um, the third is workforce development. So as I mentioned, you know, through education, we want to create pathways to employment for, um, for individuals coming through traditional lens, but also those who've been formerly justice involved um, to have a place in this industry to work and to have upward mobility. Uh, and lastly, uh, but not least, absolutely, is uh, restorative justice. And so, you know, making sure, as I mentioned a little earlier, um, you know, making sure that we support 
full restoration of rights. And so when we talk about um, the Cannabis Education Center, we're not the first um, nor the last to dive into social equity work. Um, there are plenty of community organizations who have been doing this work, who've been doing a phenomenal job at fighting this fight. And we really just wanted to lend our support and our effort in the ways that we can. And so one of the things that we did, uh, we moved um, in Illinois from uh, one location, uh, our dispensary to another. Uh, and instead of getting rid of that facility, that dispensary facility, we decided to transition that into a full scale um, cannabis education center. Uh, and what that would be is it essentially have everything in it, but the cannabis. Uh, right now in Illinois, uh, the average person can't walk into a dispensary and walk in behind the desk or behind the counter or go into the vault and see how those things uh, operate. Uh, and so we wanted to create an environment uh, that we can support training and development. Um, and so there are a couple key partners that we're looking to launch um, at the end of first quarter of 2022. Uh, and that is our education partners. And so working with colleges and universities, community colleges specifically, um, that uh, service um, the communities that have been impacted by the war on drugs, black and brown communities and, and all um, you know, various communities in Chicagoland. And so servicing those communities, working with community colleges for their certification education programs, to house them uh, in the education center. They'll be able to have access to BioTrack and training on BioTrack. They'll be able to have access to our vault, to our security systems in this, in this mock environment with uh, um, to be able to get a real feel um, for how it is to run a dispensary. And just a couple of things that, you know, and, and a lot of those schools are now developing their curriculum. They'll be able to Look at compliance. Um, they'll be, you know, how to securely store and maintain inventory, uh, customer care, so mock um, uh, practice, uh, dealing with customers, operations, how to order and receive inventory through the dock and pr proper safety and security protocols, um, as well as cannabis 101. And so as colleges and universities develop um, their programming, we will be housing them and supporting them with our subject matter experts um, on their courses. The second component uh, is working with social equity applicants in Illinois who actually won lottery licenses, who won the licenses. Um, a lot of them will appreciate uh, and be able to take full advantage of this space for their personal training um, of their employees, getting up to speed and really being able to hit the ground running uh, in the industry. And so that's a key pillar uh, in our entrepreneurship pillars, making sure that we support new entrants into the industry through this center. Uh, the other component uh, is actually uh, working with all the social equity organizations um, to do restorative justice work. So rap sheet days and expungement events and just know your rights uh, events uh, in the center. And so on the first floor of the center is fully uh, dispensary, uh, just no cannabis. On the second floor, we actually retrofitted that to be office space, uh, office space and meeting space. So we'll be able to do workshops and seminars uh, upstairs. And so it's going to be a whole scale, um, you know, operation uh, that we're looking to support that we want to bring in additional partners. But I think this is just another way uh, that we can live our social equity mission um, through Cresco. Absolutely. You know, I was, um, uh, it was fun to see some of the photos that came out from the unveiling of, of the space. Uh, the last couple of times I've been in Chicago, 
Uh, that was actually one of the dispensaries I stopped in. And so it was immediately <laughs> recognizable, uh, the interior there. So I, I love the, the repurposing and the, the reuse of that space and it makes total sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to sort of work my way toward that restorative justice element because I want to make sure that we highlight that. Yeah. On the way, though, I wanted to hit maybe a more, I guess, surface level um, aspect of an education center like this. You know, I know a lot of retailers have spaces like this, and maybe that's a clothing retailer or what have you, where people can get familiar with, uh, you know, the workflow. Um, What are some of the unique aspects of the dispensary environment uh, that really can only be taught in a dispensary? And I know you mentioned mock customer interactions and just the conversations that might happen that would never happen in a clothing store per se, uh, but that certainly um, take place in dispensaries every day. So again, I'm sure training exists in, uh, you know, online or wherever, but the importance of having a dispensary space, I've got to imagine unlocks all sorts of possibilities and just in uh, customer interactions. Absolutely. And it goes from anything with, you know, merchandising to, you know, let's touch on compliance. So as I mentioned, how to securely store and maintain inventory or, you know, being in the environment where you can see how state compliance and regulations need to look in, in, a, in a mock environment. Um, go through the process of what an ex- inspection would look for. So what are they? When are they? How do you prepare? What things would an inspector come in looking for that you should be prepared to offer uh, and provide? Um, and those can all be mock trainings. Um, we talked about customer care, how to interact with your customers. And I know that's generally across the board in retail, you have that, but you know the way that we talk about uh, the cannabis plant, the way that we talk about our products, there's nuance there. Um, effect, effective and efficient sales practices, which you'll get you know, across the board in retail. Um, there's also responsible vendor training classes and certifications that will be able to be executed through uh, the center. And then we talk about operations. You know, I mentioned you know, how to order and receive inventory, um, you know, proper safety and security. And a lot of the states that are legalizing the requirements around safety and security are, are very high very high. And so you want to look at your security systems. Our security system in that space will be live. And so you can see the setup, you can see the wiring, you can see, you know, all the different considerations that go into the plans that um, that individual uh, entities would offer um, when they're uh, applying for licenses. Um, and we'll be offering advanced management training. And so as a community center, you know, it starts with the Cannabis 101. You know, it, it cannabis and its wellness potential, you know, the responsible use, terpenes and cannabinoids, all of those things. But we really wanted to provide this dispensary experience for those colleges and universities who are teaching the curriculum in their classrooms to have a safe space to go through um, uh, and, and utilize. Um, we also wanted for our entrepreneurs to be able to come in and make their mistakes, make their mistakes in a training environment, not when you're, you know, not when it's game time, right? Uh, and this provides that opportunity. And lastly, for our restorative justice organizations, just space, uh, space to come in, space to be, you know, familiarized. And for those who are looking to enter into the market, to just have some practice uh, before they get in. Yeah. And on that restorative justice side, you know, as you mentioned, there are many organizations who have been doing fantastic, uh, often difficult work for a very long time and have really advanced the conversation in Illinois and and elsewhere, of course. Um, And of course, you also have uh, state agencies and, uh, you know, local governments who have to one degree or another, in some cases, at least, 
tried to add social equity language to licensing policies and tried to make sure that that's in the way the state regulatory agencies uh, dole out licenses. And yeah. whether that's been all that successful in every state or not is sort of a, its own conversation. But yeah. but I'm curious about um, the business role, because here you are, you know, Cresco Labs uh, and your team um, actively inserting yourself into that conversation where, you know, a lot of businesses, once they're licensed, uh, in many ways, the, the daily conversation turns toward um you know, daily operations or even mm-hmm. expansion. Um, could you speak to the importance of having, you know, a licensed business uh, involved in this conversation and, and sort of playing um, some sort of role of bringing people together? Again, uh, people who have maybe already been doing this work for a long time and are already fairly well networked. But here you have, uh, uh, again, it goes back to resources and platforms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, why is it important that a business like Cresco gets into this uh, conversation? Yeah, I think uh, a business uh, like Cresco in this position has an obligation um, to be a good steward of the development of this industry. And so we can't have a normalized and professionalized cannabis industry where folks are left out, where folks don't get second chances, where where folks don't have an opportunity to enter the market. And so what it looks like to champion, you know, it's not good enough to just have the best products. It's not good enough to just have the best sales. It's, you know, if we're going to champion uh, and be good stewards, we have to be champions of social equity. We have to be champions of diversity and inclusion. And that's a road. And and by no means does Cresco have it all figured out. Um, But I think it's just a steady commitment um, to moving in that direction and learning and, and, and not being, you know, paternalistic and just really learning from the people that have been doing this work uh, for a long time and, and amplifying those voices. And so, again, it's, um, I would say the diversity in this industry, the inclusion in this industry, restoring, helping to restore communities that have been impacted by this plant makes the cannabis industry stronger in the short term, in the midterm, and the long term. And so, yeah, you know, government may not always get it right. I think there was a lot to be desired uh, in the Illinois process, but, but there's, you know, there's opportunities for growth, um, opportunities for learning. And I think Cresco, regardless of what you know, government does, you know, we can make sure that we just champion it in our own way. And I think, you know, having this education center, supporting the efforts of community groups uh, and colleges and universities who've been doing this work is the right place for us to be. Yeah, you know, that reminds me again, going back to the last time we talked that I think we we ended that last conversation just briefly discussing, you know, you have, of course, a background as previous executive director of the Illinois Liquor Control Commission. Mm-hmm. And that has in many ways, um, you know, a similar connection to uh, what one might call an oppressive history. And yet mm-hmm. here in cannabis, it's uh, we're here at the beginning of an emerging industry as regulations are still being figured out and best practices are being figured out. And this kind of conversation we're having here and, and, and what's going on at the, or what will be going on at the Cannabis Education Center is explicitly baked into the cannabis industry in a way that you really don't see anywhere else. And it, it makes for a very exciting space to work. Yeah, that nexus is not present in every other industry. Um, so recently, like, it, the, you know, the 70s, the 80s, just the, the, the criminalization of the cannabis plant um, is so recent. Um, and it's so clear, you know, the disparities. And I always say this, you know, we can't grow large MSOs who um, do not have the commitment 
to lift as they climb. And so I always say that we must lift as we climb. As Cresco grows, as other MSOs grow, we need to continue to lift people. We need to continue to lift communities uh, and make sure that we that we give back and that we create opportunities for people to participate in that economic um, uh, opportunity. And so I always say you can't you can't have social equity without socioeconomic opportunity. And so this is just one means to continue to grow that. Um, and I hope that, you know, this force, this, this sort of encourages, it's a call to action to all MSOs to continue to do more. I mean, there's so much more work to do and we can't, you know, rest on our laurels and, and pat ourselves on the back. This is the work that we need to do in order to ensure that this industry looks like um, what it needs to look like in the, in the years ahead. Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, it's mid-January 2022 is uh, just getting up and running here. Um, uh, for listeners who may be tuned in and interested, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what should they be looking for uh, from the Cannabis Education Center or Cresco in general? And or how might they get involved if if they are so interested? Yeah, so there'll be a ton of programming coming up. So there are a couple of ways to get involved. We wanted to prioritize first um, the college and university students. And so we'll, we're setting that schedule now uh, with the colleges and universities um, to make sure that they have their calendar set uh, for the coming year. Um, the next uh, iteration will be our community organizations and making sure that as those community organizations uh, market their events um, around the cannabis plant that we help amplify those voices. So there'll be opportunities, excuse me, to register for events and workshops and educational opportunities um, in the coming year. And so I would just say when our, you know, when our marketing, uh, when these organizations reach out, we'll be amplifying that on our social channels uh, and folks will be able to come in and do tours. Um, and so all of that is in the works literally right now. Um, and we look forward to really engaging the community in those opportunities, but through the colleges and universities, through our community organizational partners, uh, and through our chambers of commerce for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, I think there's something to note here. Uh, when we talk about business and cannabis, it's not just plant touching. And so we also want to focus on those ancillary businesses, the businesses that can provide goods and, and uh, goods and services that will go to support the broader cannabis industry. It could be anything from gloves to garbage liners to waste hauling to, you know, any type of services um, that we procure. Uh, and so we want to use this as an opportunity to educate um, traditional businesses in traditional markets on how to get into cannabis as well. And so those all those things are forthcoming. Uh, we'll be posting on our social, on our emails, uh, and leveraging the voice of our community partners, college partners to get the word out as programming takes place at the center. Awesome. Well, I'm certainly interested in following along. Looking forward to that. I know our whole team is. And uh, in the meantime, Chima, thank you so much for joining the show this week. It was great to get a chance to talk to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Always great to talk to you. And look forward to coming back and giving you some updates. And that's a wrap on another episode of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chima Enya. I know I did. It's always good to talk with him. And I think this Illinois Cannabis Education Center sounds super exciting. You know, it's in a great location. And it's just cool to see this idea that you, like I said in the interview, you sort of see this in other retail segments. It's pretty great to see it brought to the cannabis industry. So we're looking forward to following along with that story in 2022. Like I said, the Cannabis Conference 2022 Advisory Board has been announced. 
You can check out those details and all the terrific background information on our advisory board members at CannabisConference.com. Let me list off a few folks here. We got Aaron Alexander, General Counsel, also at Cresco Labs. Short Brex, Genetic Development and R&D Director at The Farm. Debbie Goldsberry, writer and business advisor. Mario Guzman, the founder of Sherbinsky's. David Holmes from Clave 9. Amber Littlejohn from the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Emily Kowalski from Leafline Labs. Kenneth Morrow, a uh, regular columnist of Cannabis Business Times and the owner of Tricome Technologies. And Guy Rocourt, co-founder and chief product officer at Papa and Barkley. Uh, many more fantastic folks. Do check out the whole list at CannabisConference.com. These are the people who are going to be helping us design Cannabis Conference 2022. That's August 23rd to the 25th out in Las Vegas. Again, check out CannabisConference.com for the advisory board information, for registration information. We will be announcing the educational schedule very soon. And uh, stay tuned. Sign up for the newsletter. We'll be sending out a lot of information in the coming weeks. In the meantime... Stay tuned right here. We will continue going well beyond the show.